prayer um, during, over you during that process. Know that we would love to pray for you. If there's any other way we can support you as well, uh, we know that is a difficult season to walk through. Um, okay, without further ado, uh, let's open up our Bibles, or it will show up on the screen behind me. Uh, it's Luke 19. During the children's or family worship service, we get to include some fun slides that our kids director, Anna Kim, um, puts up there with pictures. And uh, many adults have wondered, have asked for us to do this every single Sunday. Uh, so maybe we'll do that at some point. Um, but this is a story that may be familiar to you or maybe not about Zacchaeus. Um, but there's a lot here uh, and just a beautiful overview of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and have his love pierce us. Uh, So without further ado, let's dive into this. I'll read it, and then I'll pray, and then we'll jump into the sermon together. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the Bible. Uh, we, after every time we read it, uh, we thank you for it, and we sincerely mean that here at Redeemer. Father, the scripture is used by you to guide us, to be a, a lamp for us in our journey, to convict you through the Holy Spirit, to convict us of sin, to correct us where we are wrong, and more than anything else, to to tell the story of your great love for your people. Father, I pray that we would submit under it this morning, that we would allow it to change us from the inside out, both individually and as a church. I pray that we as a church would continue to seek to be healthy in how we respond to your love in loving each other well. Father, I thank you for the ways that you are at work in this community. I thank you for grafting new people into community and friendship, those who are isolated being grafted into fellowship. I pray for those that are struggling this morning, whether it's relationally or financially or with their health or in their marriages or in their friendships. Father, may your kingdom come. May peace happen where there is unrest. May reconciliation happen where there is brokenness. And Father, may your will be done. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Okay, let's set the stage for what's going on here this morning, or in this story. And kids, I'm going to need some congregational participation from you today, as we like to do on these family worship Sundays. And I'm going to ask you a question, and the question is, if you were on a sidewalk, picture yourself on a sidewalk, you could be out here just outside the church building, just totally fine out here on the sidewalk, but there's a bunch of adults all over the place. And you can't see above the adults. You have, you know, you're, you're on your tippy toes. You cannot see above them. Yet something is something or someone is coming down the street and people are getting excited. And you spot that person or that thing and it causes you to say, I would want to see who this is. Give me an example of what that would be for you. What would cause you to be so excited that you climbed up a tree like, like Zacchaeus? Go ahead. Say it again. Emma Watson. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Anybody else? Yeah. A big lantern. Oh, like the lantern parade. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people in trees for that. Okay, Mason kids. Say it loud from the back. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that would bring all the kids out, that would bring, and the adults. All right, Evelyn, say it again. See a parade, yes. Mariah? Say it one more time. K-pop, yes, yes, I just learned about that. Um, <laughs> just this past week, something in the news about them going to the military, uh, BT. BTS, yes. Uh, smiles? Hulk Hogan, yes. Same, buddy. Same. Uh, Hulkamaniac. Old school Hulkamaniac right here. Um, and so when we think about this story, Zacchaeus climbing up into a tree, who does Zacchaeus, when he climbs up into that tree, who does he remind you of? He reminds you of a child. He reminds you of a kid. We see this beautiful, uh, this beautiful story, and you can hit the next slide with a picture, of Zacchaeus running ahead, climbing up into a tree because he's so excited to see Jesus, so excited to get Jesus' attention. I've been to a couple, of, speaking of parades, Evelyn, I've been to a couple of parades the last few years, and a little history here when the, the Braves, my, which Leon called me out last Sunday for loving a baseball too much, but my, when my Braves... Won the World Series in 1995. Who was in Atlanta when the Braves won in 1995? Thank you. So I was 12 years old and just, you know, high as I could be, you know, the best possible scenario. And apparently after they win the World Series, we didn't know this as Braves fans. It's been a long time since we had won one. But they do a parade through the city. And so when that happened... I remember going to my dad and saying, like, all right, like, wit, you know, how do you want to get down there? Like, we're, you know, what's the story here? He looked, and he looked at me like I, asked, like I was asking him, you know, how are we going to get to the moon later that week? And he said, no, there's no chance you're skipping school to go to the parade. And so I looked at my older brother, and we stomped upstairs, and I said, buddy, when I get older, we will never miss a parade. Well, that wasn't a hard promise to keep with Atlanta sports because we didn't win anything uh, for another 20 years. But apparently, and apparently they don't throw parades for just anything. Because I, I told my brother, I was like, I don't care if the symphony wins. Like, we're going to the parade. 
But that is not a thing. There's not a best symphony in the U.S. Uh, that they throw parades for. Um, but anyways, we kind of speeding ahead. The Atlanta United, our beloved soccer team, um, won the MLS Cup like three or four years ago. I think it was 2018. And, you know, holding true to my promise, we went. I took my kids out of school. Uh, we went to the parade, and the Braves won a title. Went to that parade as well. But I remember... The United's parade, they ended over here at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. There's a bunch of trees kind of in that green space. Uh, and I looked around, and I couldn't find one of my kids. And I looked over, and she had kind of, kind of climbed her way like a little monkey up in the tree so that she could see them on that double-decker bus as they come by. When I, when I thought about this passage, I thought back to that moment, and I thought looking at my children, and there were kids in all the trees all over there, was that those kids, they came there to see the United players and to celebrate what they came to celebrate, and they didn't give a rip about what was socially appropriate or not. I mean, Zacchaeus here, he, just to give you a little bit of understanding of who he is, A, he's not a good dude, which we're going to get to in a minute, but he is a very dignified member of the government. This is a guy, if it was 2022, he'd be in a suit and tie and the nicest pair of shoes and a cool hat. Guys like this in 2022 and, you know, 2,000 years ago, do not climb in trees. People would have looked at him like, what in the world are you doing? You're, you, you are way above climbing up into a tree. I mean, the only difference between him and my son in this scenario is that Zacchaeus look, you know, looks like it still has a shirt on. Like, that's the only difference. And him and a child in this setting right here is that he is so excited to encounter Jesus that he's willing to throw off his adult-ish ways. And what we see from this encounter with Jesus is the call for us to act and lean into more what it looks like to have a child like faith, a childlike reaction to Jesus. Not childish, not immature, but childlike. Kids, what I want you to hear from me, standing in front of you, that you at this church are unbelievably vital to the healthiness of Redeemer. Your presence, how you interact with the scriptures, how you respond to Jesus, watching you do the hand motions to those songs, and just the, the freedom that you have in worshiping is, is, is sanctifying, making us more like Jesus as adults. And so you're not just to be pushed aside and not you know, seen but not heard, as the saying goes. We want to see you. We want to hear you. We want to learn alongside you. Just before this, in Luke 18, the chapter right before, it says... People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We're so thankful for your willingness at Redeemer to, as you, when you become a member, you, we agree to, to serving alongside each other in the kids' uh, ministry about three to four times a year. It's just an expectation we have on everybody. Many hands make light work. But they're also, I want you to understand that, A, we're very grateful for you to volunteer, but it's also a gift to you. It's also a gift to you. It's an opportunity for you to watch little seven-year-old faces light up when they understand a new thing about Scripture. 
It's a gift to you to be sharpened in your adult-like faith to become a little more childlike in our response to Jesus. And you ask ourselves, why is this so important to be childlike? Why is it so enthralling to think about Zacchaeus running ahead to get into a tree? I think we see in Scripture the most are the, the kids that the, the qualities that they possess are this beautiful dependence on God in the simple trust that they have. They praise the Lord with such freedom. It's so much less inhibited compared to adults. It's incredibly beautiful. And we as a church are healthier because of them. So what we see from this passage first and foremost is that an encounter with Jesus will lead us to be somewhat foolish in the eyes of the people around us. Zacchaeus, as he ran ahead, I can't imagine kind of the, 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 the snarling that happened by his peers. Like, what on earth is he doing? He's above that. Get a hold of yourself, Zacchaeus. Pull it together. Temper your excitement. And so often we can feel that as adults. We see the, the, the scriptures, we, we come alive thinking about the scriptures, and then we kind of go back to our regular world and kind of blend in to the world instead of being different as the, as the Scripture calls us. We're scared to stick out. And so if you look at your life and my life, and we, there's times where we lack passion or lack a willingness to take risks for the Gospel, we lack purpose in what we're doing, what I want you to hear today is don't just try to fix yourself to become more excited about Jesus. Go encounter that Jesus. Zacchaeus didn't muster up excitement. He saw Jesus, was enthralled by him, and said, I want to move towards him. So speaking of Zacchaeus, let's learn a little bit more about him. What was his deal? Tax collectors, as we talked about, I think it was a month ago, we had a passage that talked about tax collectors. This group was known for breaking the rules. And so we, this is a little bit of a jump from how this you know, tax collecting works in America, which honestly is confusing. I remember seeing some clip where someone's explaining it to somebody, and it's like, well, you, you pay taxes, and so the government tells you how much they are. And, nope, you kind of got to guess on that. And if you mess it up, then you'll be in serious trouble for it. And I was like, that's kind of how I feel about taxes. Um, but but we, you know, we pay them as Christians. We are willing to do it. But this group, the tax collector group, was a group known for breaking the rules. They would be known from, to religious people as sinful folks. Distant from God. And not only was Zacchaeus a, a tax collector, he was the chief tax collector. Kind of the chief bad dude here. And not only did they work for Rome, which was the government that kind of ran everything, he was able to take the tax money that was owed to Rome, but he also had the, the, the freedom, according to the government, to take what he wanted for himself. And he and other tax collectors were known for doing just this. If you owed $100, they might take 130 and keep that 30 for themselves. There's nothing you could do about it. To put it another way that kids might understand better, hopefully you're not having to pay taxes yet, Zacchaeus was simply a bully. He was a bully. The type of guy that came up to you in the lunchroom, told you he would beat you up if you didn't give him that chocolate cookie that your mom kind of slipped into your, your lunchbox. And then as, he gave, as, he gave, as you gave it to him, he'd kind of kick the seat out from underneath you and watch you fall on the ground and laugh at you as you fell. 
Because there was a list of people in 2,000 years ago that, were, that, that society was ready to write off and assume that they were going to be they're bad and they're bad forever. This guy's at the top of the list. And as an exercise for the kids and the adults, I want you to think about the, the worst person you know. Because that's what this would have been to these folks. The worst person you name. Now, don't, don't say the name out loud. Uh, and goodness, if they're in this room, certainly don't, don't like look at them. Don't stare at them right now. This could be, you know, for the adults, this could be a serial killer. I feel like every other show on Netflix now is about some new serial killer. Uh, it could be a politician that's on the other side of the aisle that you just can't stand, you know, that you think the, the, you think the worst about. It could be somebody that's hurt you, whatever it is. Picture that person. And I want you to picture Jesus. I want you to picture Jesus coming directly for that person. That scoundrel of a person and being absolutely delighted to see them. The scripture says Zacchaeus, this is Jesus talking, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Fill in that blank for who Zacchaeus is for you. Whoever it is, picture Jesus looking at them saying, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. What we see here is that Jesus moves towards this sinner, towards someone who exploits the poor, towards somebody that would be, that would be scorned by middle class society. And what we see here is that we see the same thing over and over again in the Bible. We see Jesus moving towards people's mess and miraculously coming through for them. Whether it was a blind man beside the road, a woman caught in adultery, a lame man lying beside the pool, lying beside a pool, Jesus stepped into their situation and showed them that his love was more powerful than their sin. And this is what he still does, brothers and sisters, even to the people that we absolutely despise. So let that sink in. Let that sink into who you are and let it free you to see them the way Jesus does. But let it also sink in that he does that to them because he does it to you and I. In his book, a book called Gentle and Lowly that I would, I would highly recommend, a guy named Dane Ortland, whose dad is actually an Anglican priest, he beautifully describes how God moves towards us even when we are a mess. He writes the cumulative, which is for kids, that's like the total testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world around him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct, is to move toward that sin and suffering and not away from it. Orlin goes further to say, he sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. He hates sin, but he loves sin you. And so we see this, and we see Zacchaeus' heart posture of humility. I mean, his willingness to, to jump up in that tree. It was a both and that he was open to Jesus coming into his life, and Jesus was ready to jump at the opportunity. And then what happens to Zacchaeus? Does he simply say, great, my ticket is punched, now I will enjoy eternity with God, I'm forgiven, and that's the end of the story? No. Zacchaeus' salvation 
changes him. And what does he do? He responds by caring for the people that he hurt, humbling himself to say, I will make right the wrongs that I've committed. Lord, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. The dude realized that because Jesus loved him, he was compelled to do everything he could to right these wrongs. And let's not get the order confused here. Jesus didn't look at Zacchaeus and say, if you go back, if you figure out all the people that you hurt, that you stole money from, and make that right, then I'll forgive you and love you. No, it was the other way around. Jesus' love was completely free, but this free love compelled Zacchaeus to go do what is right, even though it then cost him dearly. His reputation, his money, his you know, financial stability. And so the question then for us is, what does this look like for you? Salvation, being a Christian, being aware of how much God loves us should lead us to care deeply for the people that hurt us, that we've hurt. An example of this might be that you, you know, if you've done somebody wrong, you've clearly committed a sin against somebody, you've hurt them, you've wounded them, the easy thing to do is just simply say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, and then move on from that. I know in my, in my life, if I have, have hurt my wife in some way, I just want to kind of, I know I should apologize. I know it's what I'm supposed to do. I've read the books. I've, I've listened to the lectures. I know it's what I'm supposed to do. So I run. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, like, can we just move on? And what we see here from the scripture is that I don't have to earn back her love, but the love of Jesus should compel me to sit with how I've hurt her a little bit longer. To be able to sit and say, all right, I know I've messed up. I don't just want to skip past this reconciliation. Help me understand, when I said this, how did it make you feel? When I did this, what did it communicate to you? And it's incredibly hard, and I don't do it great, because it's uncomfortable. And I'm giving her the freedom to, 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 to tell me, tell me hard things. But that's what the gospel part of this passage, verse 9 and 10, and I think is the most compelling thing about the whole story. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. As we head towards communion, I want you to see what Jesus is up to as he declares these words to Zacchaeus. He doesn't have to say these things. He could have just ended with a high five to Zacchaeus and good job to you. But instead, he knows that as they part ways, Zacchaeus is going to have his doubts about is he really part of the family of God. He's an outsider. He's not religious, a religious person. He's not going to be you know, quickly accepted by the people who are religious people. They're going to tell him things like, oh, you've done way too much wrong to be fully forgiven. You've got to do a lot more to be right with God. He's going to think to himself, I don't know the scriptures like these other people do. Maybe I'm just a JV member of the squad. Maybe I'm just a B-list member of the family. But his parting words are, because this man too is a son of Abraham. Abraham being the father of the Jewish faith, as we've talked about in Wednesday night Bible study, 
He was adopted in like Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, hearing these words, would have had a smile on his face from ear to ear because Jesus is looking at him saying, you are in the family. And no one can take that away. So as Pastor Matt goes through the liturgy for communion, you'll get this reminder to yourself. And we get it week in and week out. That you, as you sit in these seats, you hear that you are forgiven from sin. You hear that you are adopted into the family of God. You hear that you are accepted by God based upon what Christ did. And we need to hear that because we forget it week in and week out. So let that sink in today that you too are a son or daughter of Abraham. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the stories in the Bible that come alive through the Holy Spirit. May you give us a faith like Zacchaeus where we're willing to be foolish in the eyes of the world as we respond to the beauty and love of our Savior. And may you grow us to love you more and more and more. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.